Introducing the all-new 2023 Ford Bronco Sport, now available at Jim K. Ford. With its rugged design and off-road capabilities, this SUV is built for adventure. Whether you're heading off the beaten path or just cruising around town, the Bronco Sport delivers performance, comfort, and style. With four-wheel drive, terrain management system, and advanced safety technology, you can take on any road with confidence. Adventure awaits at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Welcome to the Jim K. Fords with Steve Warren and the Cup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the program, and we got lots to come. Lots coming up today. Steve Steos is now the Ottawa Senators President of Hockey Operations. Pierre Dorian has a new boss. We'll talk about that. Some sense injury news. We're going to expand the options. This is a crazy time for sports, ladies and gentlemen. It's Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Greg, how are you? Very good, Stephen. Very, very good. Uh, how, are, how are you today? I'm, I'm not at home. I should. We should tell everyone I'm in uh, lovely downtown Oshawa here this morning. But uh, how are things in Ottawa? Everything good back there? Yeah, everything's fine. Like I say, there's lots going on. We've just yeah. learned uh, not that long ago that Steve Steos would be the new president of hockey operations. So there's a new sheriff in town in Michael Andlauer, and he now has his deputy. And everything's going according to Hoyle, isn't it? Because we've been talking all summer. Probably going to hire Cyril Leader. He did hire Cyril Leader. Probably going to hire his old buddy, Steve Steos. They work together with the Bulldogs, and he goes ahead and hires Steve Steos. And, uh, that's going to change the dynamic of things. It really is a, a new sheriff in town. It really is a, a fresh set of eyes, and it'll be fascinating to see Greg moving forward, uh, whether or not he and Pierre Dorian and the coaching staff are all on the same page or not. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be the same as, uh, like, like Mike Landlauer said himself, his first, uh, his first step here is to learn, is to observe and learn. I'm sure Steve Stales is going to spend a good deal of time doing the same thing. He's got to get familiar with not only with the players that are on the Senators, but the players in Belleville, the players in the system, the draft picks, uh, the staff. He he has to get to know everybody and figure out who does what and and then decide whether they do it well or don't do it well. And and he probably has his own ideas and how to structure things as to who reports to who and what positions are lacking. And It'll be some time now, I think, before we see uh, any other sort of change here coming up. I would think, anyway, he's going to observe and take notes and make decisions, and and changes will come down the line. Do you think he changes the dynamic of the organization at all? Because I think about him as a player, and he had a very good career. He played for over a 1,000 games in the league at the defense position, and he was one of those rock-solid, steady blue liners in the game do you think he brings maybe that philosophy, you know, just maybe a little more commitment to the defensive side and structure um, when he's assembling the team? That's obviously not going to be overnight, but in the coming years that uh, that that might I don't know, maybe t- potentially change the, the course of the uh, of the franchise a little. Well, I think the only way like as president, he's not the general manager, so he's not the one who's you know, whether it's now or under a different GM later, he's not the one who's going to be picking and choosing the players they're going to sign or the types of players they're going to draft. As president, he's not like solely the guy making those choices. I think that you'll see something in who he hires. Like, let's face it, if he if he ends up uh, replacing Pierre Dorian uh, and eventually uh, 
DJ Smith gets replaced. Let's see who who gets hired then and what type of person that is or what type of a, a background they have in the game or what type of teams they've built in the past. I think that's where we'll see exactly what he's up to. I think for now, though, I, I don't know that he really can put his stamp on things as a president versus as a general manager. Well, he is overseeing all the hockey operations. I suppose it probably varies from one man to the next, like any manager position, right? Some guys micromanage, other guys delegate, and it will be interesting to see what Steve Steos is. His time in the Bulldogs, he was both GM and president of the Bulldogs, so he certainly has a penchant or a fondness, if you will, for you know making hockey decisions. So I guess it probably comes down to his specific managerial style, right? Yeah, and I, I to be noted there too is he was hired in Hamilton as the president originally. He was not hired as the GM president. He was hired as president, and then eventually became GM. Is that something that's going to happen here too? I'm not sure. Like it, it takes a certain uh, set of skills, a certain skill set to be a general manager uh, in the National Hockey League. It's different from being a GM and junior. And uh, we've talked about this many times here, how we want people with experience. We want somebody with a track record, somebody who's been in the job before, whether it's GM or coach. So I don't know that I would be too keen on seeing Steve Steos as the next GM of this team too. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see if Pierre is going to be replaced, I'd like to see somebody with a little more experience at the NHL level as a GM than a Steve Steos taking over. Right. Well, it is going to be interesting now because we knew there was already going to be quite a bit of pressure on Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith to perform this year. Um, the next few days, weeks, will be about Steve Steos getting to know these guys, figuring out if they're on the same page with hockey philosophy. We know going in that he's probably going to keep an open mind, but he can't overlook the fact, okay, I don't know you, Pierre Dorian, and you've missed the playoffs six straight years. I'll give you a chance here. But now that there's actually Steve Steos is the guy, it is a guy that Pierre Dorian will be reporting to. Does it change the pressure at all? Is there more pressure now that Steve Steos has actually f- physically arrived in Ottawa? I think now that there's now that there's somebody there between ownership and and hockey ops, uh, yeah, I would say so. Now, like now you've got somebody to report to who's not just a bank account. You've got somebody to report to who who has a, a skill set, who has a knowledge, who knows hockey who uh, may have some questions for you other than the three-man panel that you were dealing with for the last, what, year or so, or even Eugene Melnick before that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of what Pierre Dorian did in his first three, four years on the job were basically making sure that Mr. Melnick was happy, right? I don't know that he, he was able to do a lot of things that he wanted to do on his own. And I, I think really the only things he's been doing on his own that are 100%, that's a Pierre Dorian decision, has been since Mr. Melnick's passing. And so far, if you just want to grade him on that time frame, I think he's done a pretty good job. I, I don't have a problem with the job he's done recently when he's had a little more autonomy. So now that you've got a somebody in there as a president who's a hockey guy um do you let him have the same amount of autonomy i i, I mean that remains to be seen how much of a how much of a say will will steve stales have in like the first order business somehow or other getting shane pinto signed so how steve stales factor into that decision it'd be interesting right. to see what happens now yep stales is going to spend the next weeks months just learning everything about this organization as as is michael landlar because i think uh Andlauer is a knowledgeable hockey fan, and so I think, you know, as nice as he is, um, I think he is going to be 
somewhat involved, but that remains to be seen as well. It's all about delegating and whether you're a micromanager or not, like I said earlier. To give you a little background on the relationship between Steos and Andlauer, uh, Steos had been with the Hamilton Bulldogs since the 2015-16 season. Last year, though, he moved to an Oilers position in the NHL, which is the team he played most of his time with in the league. And uh, also, Steos was an assistant coach briefly with the Leafs, also in management there. Um, Steos joined the Bulldogs, as you mentioned, as team president. Following year, was the GM. And uh, Steos is actually a financial partner in that club, not just an employee of Andlauer. They were they bought into that thing together, and they won two Ontario Hockey League titles together. And so I think if you have a good impression so far of Michael Andlauer and really don't know much about Steve Steos, now you have a little background on it. And I think if you buy into what Andlauer is selling and like the man and trust the man at this stage of the game, you almost have to go, okay, well, if – if Adlauer likes him, uh, then Steos probably has a lot going on for him. Correct. Yeah. Hamilton native too. I think that probably had a lot to do with his original uh, stake in the, in the, uh, in the Bulldogs when he was there. And yeah, I like how you sort of glossed over his involvement with the blue team, Steve. He, 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 did, he, did, he did leave <laughs> Hamilton and he was in player development, a couple different positions with the Leafs. Uh, yeah. But I mean, he's a hockey guy, right? And as you just alluded to, I, I agree with you. I think, Everything that Michael Andlauer has said and done so far uh, shows you that he's that he's a professional, that he's committed, that he's got passion for this. So, uh, yeah, if you if Michael Andlauer says this is the guy he wants and this is the right guy, then who am I to question him? I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah. So if you're Steve Steos coming to this organization, how are you kind of sliding into things? Like are you are you are you bringing Dorian and Smith over for dinner, having a beer with them? Like what? What are your early steps to kind of, I don't know, ingratiate yourself to the current employees of this team? Well, I think you need to have meetings immediately, and and I would work my way down. So, yeah, I'd start with Pierre. I'd want to see the five-year plan. Like somewhere, Pierre Dorian has a roster projection for five years from now. Now, that, that projection doesn't necessarily have names on it but it has a description of the player who's going to be in that slot and how much money you want to, you have allotted to him for the Sens with all these long-term contracts. A lot of those slots will have names, but where do you see us in five years? What's the roster going to look like? And and then from there, okay, let's back that up. Where are we in four years? Where are we in three years? Um, Where are we in the spring of this coming season? You know, Mm -hmm. I want to see the long-term projections there. I'd want to get an idea on philosophy. Uh, team building how exactly are you projecting this out team wise is uh, what types of players what types of a of a program are you looking to run here or uh you know how are you looking at at, uh, spending money as far as fourth line guys versus first line guys and things like that where's your scouting department at like everything i i would first things first i'm all over pierre i don't know that i would even uh, i wouldn't want to be grilling dj smith myself if i'm the president i'm letting the gm handle the coaching side so i just you know i talked to pierre about dj but i don't know that i'd spend all that much time other than i get to know you how are you kind of thing with dj but i wouldn't be getting into philosophy and coaching style and things like that with with a dj smith well that's all good stuff and i wonder how much of that has already happened right because we've been talking about this for so long it was a poorly kept secret that steos was going to end up here probably and even the day jeff jackson was hired in edmonton when when i was writing an article I wanted to get some background on him, so I checked out the Oilers' site, and on their front office page, there's Jeff Jackson, but no Steve Steos anywhere, so it may have begun then. He only officially, uh, they announced officially today 
that he had stepped down from the Oilers. And like seconds later, the Sens media release comes up. So uh, it could be that Steve Steos, as with Michael Landlauer, has quietly been part of this organization for a while now over the course of the summer. So a lot of the stuff you talked about may, in fact, have already happened. When we return on the show, though, we're going to take uh, take you back to the news conference from Friday afternoon as Michael Andlauer introduced Steve Steos as his new uh, president of hockey operations, and that's coming up after these words. Looking for a vehicle that's environmentally friendly and fun? Look no further than the Ford Mustang Mach-E, available now at Jim K. Ford. This electric car will have you laughing all the way to the bank with savings on gas and maintenance costs without giving up excitement and performance. And with zero emissions, you can finally breathe easy, literally. So if you want a car that's as exhilarating as it is eco-friendly, come down to Jim K. Ford today and take a spin in one of our Mach-E's today. Visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim All right, welcome back to the program. Do not forget, ladies and gentlemen, that Greg and I do a Sens podcast twice a week, and you can catch it at SensNationHockey.com or wherever you like to listen to your best podcasts or your worst. I'm not here to judge what podcast quality uh, tastes are, uh, so bear that in mind. And as well, uh, the Hockey News, I'm the site editor of the new Ottawa Senators Hockey page, we're going to be covering the Ottawa Senators for you wire to wire all season long. It's THN.com slash Ottawa. And uh, thanks for that in advance. Now, news conference time yesterday. The Sens, this is like a like a weekly tradition now. Last week was Michael Andlauer's unveiling. And uh, that, that was made official on Thursday. The big announcement in the press conference was on the Friday. And uh, the Friday press conference this week is to introduce the new president of hockey operations, Steve Steos. Thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being here today. Um, some familiar faces, but I've been here for only a couple of hours, and, and it really does feel like home, uh, like Michael had said. So um, uh, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, I'll speak a little bit more about that and uh, the vision that we have moving forward. Um, going back to Michael spoke a little bit about our relationship and our partnership Um in 2015, I'd been three years retired from playing and uh, got a great opportunity with the Toronto Maple Leafs to be in player development and uh, uh, was seeing that through. And then Michael had approached me in 2015 to join the Bulldogs. And um, I keep a pretty close, tight-knit people around me where I ask advice from, and they all thought I was crazy uh, to leave the NHL to to go back to, to the OHL. Um, and the more I thought about it... Um, uh, the man behind the plan in Edmonton with Michael, uh, it being in my hometown, uh, the opportunity for me to do more than player development. Um, and, you know, with Michael's support and commitment, I was able to run the entire program as president of the team and uh, got to learn a lot. I learned a lot through that. And uh, the mandate was being best in class. Those are the same principles that we're going to carry on here um, so I'm certainly glad I made that decision back then, and it's uh, led to a couple of championships and hopefully hopefully some more uh, now. Um, we share the same values. You, you got to meet Michael. Um, he's, he's an incredible man, a family man, great family. Um, his guiding principles, the way he treats people, the care, the communication, um, the real care for the players, it's not a lip service. This guy really cares. Uh, we're aligned that way. I wouldn't want to work for anybody uh, else when you have that type of support and that type of commitment. Now there's 
a serious level of accountability and standards as well. And, uh, and I'm good with that. So um, it's just an absolute privilege to be able to lead the Ottawa Senators in my role as president. Um, as Michael talked about, Pierre and I have had some great conversations already. I'm here to support him on the day-to-day. I'm looking at all areas of our organization where we can become best in class. That'll be my focus. The only thing that's changed for Pierre is that he's got more support with me and to collaborate on ideas and, and executing uh, moving forward. Um, we have a lot to be excited about, um, but there's a tremendous amount of work to do uh, that we're all up for. Um, and uh, I look forward to working with Pierre on the day-to-day to be able to take this team to another level. Um, this team, when you look at this team that we have, there's an incredible amount of heart, competitiveness, um, and the future is bright. Um, Ottawa Gatineau is extremely excited. I'm extremely excited. My family's extremely excited. And uh, I can't wait to get to work and be a part of this, this great organization. Thank you very much. Go Sens Go. Hey, Steve, Ian Mendes with The Athletic. Yeah, yeah good. Thanks. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Ottawa. Um, I got a question uh, one question for you, uh, Steve, and maybe one for you, Michael. Uh, Steve, can you walk us through the, the, the timeline of kind of how this, this all came together? Uh, well, yes. I mean, I mean, working with the Edmonton Oilers and, uh, you know, as, as things sort of unfolded into, into the offseason and, uh, uh, you know, Michael becoming an owner here, I think, was uh, obviously something that there's a partnership and, and there's – past success and uh it was uh um it was something that i wanted to see through and um again going back to the edmonton oilers first class organization um incredible team great great opportunity for them in the near future here um and so the timeline sort of got moved along a little bit according to the 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 final purchase of the team and then the opportunity that the edmonton oilers have granted for them for me to be able to speak to michael on a position scenario Montreal did you feel like that's a good scenario going forward here absolutely uh, and that was probably one of the you know best practices that uh, that I looked at uh, the, the the model in Montreal uh, works well the collaborativeness uh, between Jeff and Kent uh, I, I, you know uh, is 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 great and like I said it's such a complex part to, to complement each other and to focus on areas um, to, to, you know, you know, you look at all the aspects, you know, from, from drafting and recruiting properly to, uh, to the development part. To me, the development part is, is one of the more understated aspects in many NHL teams and that, that, that need to be, you know, the focus on a lot of focus on that. And development is not only from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, uh, at the AHL level, there's so many different components to it. So uh, it's not a one-man uh, person who can take a look at that. What I see uh, in Montreal, I, I like uh, today. So maybe a little bit rip off and duplicate from Montreal. Sylvain saint from Le Droit newspaper. Steve, welcome to Ottawa. Um, there are differences between uh, junior hockey and the NHL, but there are similarities. I was wondering what you picked up during those two championship runs that you feel like you might be able to bring in building a winning team here in Ottawa? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that, you know, you look at you look at it from two different leagues and you're moving up. 
<clears throat> excuse me, but um, I, I guess in short, I'd say same principles, just on a different scale. So the the amount of detail that we put into all areas of our program in Hamilton with the Bulldogs, the amount of time and commitment, the way we communicated, a lot of those best practices, I believe, will work at this level, just on a different scale. My second question, I guess, would be to Pierre. We didn't hear it from you yet. How do you welcome this new addition? How do you think um, this is all going to work out? I think it's great for us as an organization moving forward. Uh, it's no secret I've always in the past begged almost for help and getting Steve with, with his acumen, his experience, who he's worked under, winning championships, whether it's at a different level. I think it only bodes well for us to have more success moving forward. Uh, so for, from my side of things personally, I was really excited when Michael brought the idea to me. Steve and I met. I think for about an hour and a half Wednesday, I believe it was, and it went by, it felt like five minutes, and last night um, ended up talking on the phone, and it was extended conversation, and, you know, it's great sharing ideas, philosophies, and I think it, it really, the people that benefit the most from it are our fans, this organization is only going to be better for Steve being on board. Uh, Wayne Scanlon, Sportsnet. Just wondered if you've had any dealings with Pierre in the, in the past and how this day-to-day -day relationship might work. Yeah, we, we really haven't. You know, I think we met at a U18 event, uh, you know, in passing. So, no, this is it's been great having these conversations with Pierre early on. It's ex it's exciting to hear his thoughts and philosophies and where we're at with the group. Um, you know, and the relationship will be just that. It'll be collaborative. Uh, him and I will work together. He's he's do he's the general manager of the team and working on the day to day. And if he needs my support in any way, I'm, I'm there for him. Um, again, I got a lot that I want to get to as well, Wayne, to get uh, get this organization to to what it deserves. Our players deserve it. The fans deserve it. And, uh, you know, it's it's there's there's some work to do for sure. So that's that's how it's going to work. All right. So there's the Friday news conference where the Ottawa Senators introduced Steve Steos as their new director of hockey operations. I don't think we learned anything particularly new because we've been talking mostly about Steve Steos. Uh, coming to this organization for a long time. And uh, just to reset, I mean, I think it's a good hire. I think that Michael Andlauer seems to have his stuff together. There's lots of, you know, combined experience there. They're partners financially. They've worked together in hockey before. It seems like a natural. And just, again, like I said off the top, it remains to be seen what this means for Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith long-term. You wrapped it up perfectly and succinctly, Steve. There's, you just left Alfie out. That's That's the next one. Yeah, Alfie's next. Everything else has gone according to oh, yeah, uh, exactly. Serial leader, well, Michael Landlauer, serial leader, Steve Steos, and everybody thinks Daniel Alfredson will be the next shoe to drop. Would that be a brutal hire or what? <laughs> <laughs> the I best just, hire ever. Sorry, I'm just being sarcastic. It's just a matter of finding the right spot for for Alfie. I, I, right. I, he's not interested in in uh, in being a handshaker, uh, lunch guy, dinner guy. Uh, he wants to be involved in hockey stuff, and he is involved in hockey stuff now, sort of helping out with the development guys. Um, I, I see him in a in a player development role. Like he's not going to be a scout. I uh, I don't think he wants to be an actual coach on the bench and traveling. I so there's got to be a, a sweet spot in there. He's not qualified, unfortunately. Sorry, Steve. He's not qualified to be a GM at this point. You know, maybe the the next GM who comes in is is whoever that is. Alfie's hired as an assistant to him, and you groom him for 
or four or five years down the road or whatever when he becomes a GM at some point. I'll have you know Alfie is qualified for everything, <laughs> okay? As the founder of the Church of Alfie for many years in a former radio life, don't you know that the secret ingredient in Red Bull is Alfie's sweat? Huh? Oh, really? Right? Anyway, I'd, I would. I used to say, I used to scream, praise Alfie like an old preacher. Yeah. I could do the same thing with higher Alfie, maybe. Huh? Okay. Uh, no, I'm not going to bother right now because my throat feels pretty good today. Last week it was kind of kind of torn up, but I don't need any screaming in my life right now. Praise Alfie! There you go. Well Sorry, done. <laughs> Moving on. Some injury news. One of the things about this team that everybody talks about is that if they stay healthy, they should make the playoffs. If they stay healthy, and then right out of the gate, Josh Norris tweaks his shoulder. Ay, caramba. Anyway, it looks like he's close. He still hasn't played through the first three games. Isn't going to play in the fourth game either on Friday night. Maybe next week sometime. This was Josh Norris this week talking about the shoulder injury. Yeah, it felt great. Um, you know, was in there uh, yesterday too, obviously. So um, definitely it's a, a little bit different mentally. And it's uh, it's nice to kind of, you know, make that step to get in those jerseys. And um, had a lot of fun out there with those guys today. Does it, does it feel close that, that you're ready for game action? Yeah, I think I'm inching towards it for sure. Um, just, you know, building every day and um, physically and mentally getting myself to a point where I can, you know, play in a game. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm progressing there and, and um, getting close for sure. Do you have a ballpark idea? Of, is there like a game plan of maybe when you might, might uh, get into a preseason game or just kind of? Yeah, I'd say um, hopefully within the next week or so. Um, you know, I think we have five left. So uh, the plan is, is uh, for sure to get into, um, you know, at least one or two and um, we'll just go from there. Given summer, all the time off, like you feel at least your your face on the ice, like your legs are where you would like it to be. At this point? Yeah, honestly, I feel great right now. Um, got great jump in my legs and um, had a, had a good summer in training and got here really early. And um, I think the pace of uh, camp's been really high this year, and I think it's uh, makes it a little bit easier when everybody else is pushing that hard too. So you don't want to be the one that's falling behind, and um, yeah, everyone's in great shape. So um, yeah, I feel really good. I would say this about Josh Norris because I, and when I hear things like it's getting there or I'm inching toward it, it, that to me, it's not healed yet. And what I want to do, if I'm running the Ottawa senators, Greg, what I would do is Josh, let me know when it feels a hundred percent, like a million bucks, like you could skate as fast as you could and just run up against that wall. And it'd be fine. When you get to that point, I'm giving you another month off because I don't <laughs> care about October or November I care about the the entire season. I'm not messing around with this kid anymore. I'm not. <laughs> but unfortunately, October and November are kind of important for this team. They are. Uh, I mean, let's face it. There, I, I I had it the other day. Uh, it keeps showing up. They, they keep putting that graphic up every time you're watching a game of of the Senators' last four years in their first twenty games or whatever. October November is very very important to this team. Now that he's feeling good enough to take off the yellow jersey, now I would extend that. I just just take it a few more weeks. I know October and November are important. I'm not ignorant to that. Yeah. But if Josh Norris is, you know, gone again the way he was last October, then I don't know if you can make the playoffs this year. Uh, I think you can get by without Josh Norris for a month. And I think that gives you a better chance of him being healthy long-term and not this being a be a chronic thing so i would my point is 
I would be uber cautious with my yeah, game plan with Josh Norris. On the other hand, now on the injury front, Brady Kachuk takes a stick in the face. When I heard that, I was like, okay, you know, everybody's got a visor on, so it's probably nothing. Maybe lost some teeth. Maybe got a big swollen lip, big gouge in his chin. No, that thing, if you've seen the video of this, it's like right near the eye. Like he was really lucky that he was that he's not visually impaired from that thing. It's ugly. It's really ugly. And DJ Smith was asked about that at practice this week. Yeah, Brady just took an errant stick there. Um, at first, obviously everyone panicked, but it ended up just being a little bit of a deep cut, um, you know, up near the eye, but um, some more precautionary. Um, we're going to keep him off uh, uh, regular practice for a couple of days, but everything will be fine. So there's DJ Smith talking about Brady Kachuk and his injury. I, I don't know if you had a chance to hear DJ's voice this week. He just completely <laughs> lost it. He must be between all the coughing and sniffing that that guy does. And I've talked about this for probably four years now. Uh, the m- amount of screaming based on the, you know, the loss of voice this week that he must do at practice must be off the charts. <laughs> That is a very deep cut. That is a very deep cut. So that was lucky, though, to yeah. see that cut. It was very lucky that uh, that Brady Kachuk got away with what uh, what he did, which was uh, it's it's enough to get him out of practice, and and he's not he didn't play in the Friday game against Winnipeg. So I mean, it's not you know it's not a small thing, but compared to what it could have been, he's really really lucky. Yeah, and and. Oh, that's the thing that threw me too. Like, like you, you told me about it, and I looked at it. And how did the stick get up underneath the visor and cut where it cut? Yeah, it's uh, he's a very lucky young man. Uh, it was interesting to see Tarasenko still on the left side. He skated with uh, with Giroux and Stutzla. Uh, basically, Tarasenko moved into Kachuk's spot on left wing. That's where he skated in practice on Friday. Uh, or and and who knows? <laughs> Maybe he is going to stay in the left wing. You know, the longer Brady's out. It creates an even bigger slot there on the left side where somebody might have to move over. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, you're right about the stick, though. I mean, the stick blade coming up underneath the visor. Now, let's be honest. Most of the kids today do not wear their helmets properly, and they don't have their visors on very well. Um, I mean, Kachuk is one of many guys in the NHL who use their mouth guard like a stick of chewing gum, kind of yeah. hanging out. But to think about that stick blade, how it, it has to get up underneath the visor and then whoever caught him must have then turned his stick blade inward quite forcefully to create that level of gouge. So yeah. bad circumstances, bad luck, and uh, uh, but good luck in the in the very big overall picture that there's no eye damage. Maybe it was Shabbat on the bench again. <laughs> yeah, Shabbat basically getting, what was it, Travis Hamannick? Yeah. He's just absolutely trying to eat. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. No, Shabbat's got a history, that's for sure. And uh, speaking of cutting down, guys, we should get to Friday night after the 3-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets. Sends improved to 3-1 on the year in the preseason. They decided to make some cuts. They put it out after the game that Lassie Thompson, their 2019 first-rounder, is now on waivers for the purposes of his assignment to the Belleville Senators training camp. And uh, Thompson... I'm not sure exactly how being waiver exempt works, but he is no longer waiver exempt. And you wonder, here's a first rounder not that long ago, who's a pretty well-regarded player. Will he clear waivers and get down to Belleville? So uh, we'll see how that goes. Other names 
You got Dylan Hetherington, who is in the same boat. He's been placed on waivers to go to Belleville. And you've also got players who've been assigned to Belleville that don't need waivers. Levi Marilinen, who started the game on Friday night and uh, gave way at the midway point. It was all scheduled to Kevin Mandelize, who was really good. Mandelize, I think, has earned a longer look. And so Marilinen goes down. He started some game, at least one game last year in the NHL. You got Donovan Sobrango, who goes down as well. He's a guy that was picked up in the Alex Dabrinkit deal with Detroit. Angus Crookshank, another interesting one as well tonight. He had a big hit right in front of Ottawa's bench on one of the Jets players who was uh, knocked out of the game because of it. It was a high hit. He took a penalty, but uh, he's going to go down to Belleville. I thought he looked good in camp, but uh, uh, they decided to send him down. And uh, yeah, those are the big names that are involved in the cuts. There's uh, you know, probably half a dozen others on top of that. None of them were considered uh, threats to make Ottawa. And uh, yeah, as mentioned, the Sens won 3-1 on Friday night. And one of the interesting things about that game, Greg, is how evenly distributed the ice time was on defense. We always talk about, oh my God, that guy can't play 30 minutes. That's ridiculous. That's just too much. Nobody played even 25 minutes tonight. So Thompson, who's now on waivers, was bringing up the rear at 14. Branstrom at 15. Then you had Artem Zub at 20, 15. Jacob Chikrin next to 21, 24. Sanderson, 22, 28. And Thomas Shabbat, 23, 15. Other notes from Friday's game. I thought Drake Batherson was jumping. He was really all over the puck on Friday night. Ended up with uh, an assist. Uh, Yuri Smakel. I think that's a guy that is going to be really hard to send down to Belleville. He was one of their uh, Czech free agents signed in the offseason. And, I mean, I don't know how you don't want that guy in your bottom six when you, you see what's been there the last couple of years. I think about uh, guys like Parker Kelly and Austin Watson and Derek Brassard and, and the like. Uh, Smakel skates well. He's physical, not afraid to get in there. He has puck skill to boot. That's going to be a hard guy to keep out of the Ottawa situation. I thought Angus Crookshank might hang around longer as well. That was a guy that had showed offensive flair. He's the leading goal scorer last year in Belleville, and I thought he had a decent camp, but uh, the Sens thought otherwise. And uh, what else can I tell you about Friday's game? Claude Giroux with an absolute beauty. Uh, intercepts a bad cross-ice pass, goes in on a mini breakaway, and tucks home the winner in the second period to make it 2-1. Sands would add an empty netter, but what a goal by Giroux. Just a little backhander up onto the bar, standard Claude Giroux stuff. And so that's the update from Friday night. Certainly Shane Pinto remains a subject matter. I know that uh, that's probably getting long in the tooth for you as well, because uh, we have talked about it quite a, quite a bit. And Matthew Joseph in the news this week, and he's had a terrific start to preseason. I thought uh, he's played two games and he's been one of the best players on the ice in both games. He's one of the game stars in the game in Montreal. Of course, they lost 4-3 to the Habs. So they're 2-1 in the preseason after two wins over Toronto earlier in the week. Uh, but Joseph had a couple of goals and was very good. And I don't know, does that change your opinion of his expendability in solving the Shane Pinto signing crisis? Or do you look at it as a positive, like, oh, you've, you're improving his market value? Well, you're definitely, he, he himself is improving his market value. Um, I still think that that he is more suited to a third-line role 
will be much more effective as a third-line player on this team than Dominic Kubalik will. I don't think Dominic, Dominic Kubalik's skill set is made for a third line and can be as effective and can produce the way that he has in the past playing with third-line players. So from that sense, from the best perspective of the Senators, I'd rather they have Joseph here and playing on the third line. But it's not going to happen. Like He's he's the one who's got to go. Uh, it's, it's him, in my opinion. I know you've got a different opinion that you're going to voice so- shortly here. It's it's Joseph or it's Branstrom or it's or it's Yarventi. Uh, uh, um, who's the other guy? Sokolov. You know somebody or a combination thereof. JBD, Lassie Thompson, something, a second round pick. I don't I don't think it'll be Kubalik, and I don't think it'll be any other anybody else. It's just a matter of who's gonna what's gonna what's gonna take to get the deal done. But you have a theory. You have a no. Are we calling it a wish list? You have an idea. What are we calling it, Steve? I'm saying I'm expanding the Shane Pinto right. sacrifice list. <laughs> okay. And by the way, and? Shane Shane Pinto is another name you could throw in there in terms of how do we That's solve true. our salary cap crisis? You could go ahead and trade Shane Pinto because we don't know exactly what he's looking for. Pierre Lebrun reported that he thinks $2.5 million will get it done. But who knows? Maybe it's more than that. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a price that a lot of Sens fans, if they heard it, they'd go, mm, if that's what you want. Yeah. You know, well, thanks for coming up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we're expanding so, the list. I'm excited. So who's on your new list now, Steve? Well, I want to expand the list because everybody knows the uh, existing list and I'm expanding it to two names. The Go. first one I've, I've heard mentioned before, but not very often. The first three games of the preseason, I thought Mad Sogard was the best, had the best game of the three. And uh, you've got obviously the newcomer you've connected for five years, uh, signed for five years in Jonas Corposalo. So Anton Forsberg, there's a guy whose money is almost exactly what Shane Pinto will need. And in terms of term, um, you could get something done if you deal Anton Forsberg. That would not be a tremendously difficult thing to do if you can find somebody who's not really sure about their goaltending situation. Forsberg can help somebody. And I would feel not totally uncomfortable with the notion, and part of it is being checkered, I'm sure, colored by the fact that uh, Sogard had a really, really good game against Toronto. Um, I wouldn't mind that necessarily seeing that. It's not like, because people say, oh, Sogard, well, you can't uh, put him in the NHL as a backup. He's not. You know what? Nobody in the NHL played more than 64 games. So a backup goalie in the NHL is getting plenty of action. The 64 games was the most anybody played in this league. It's not the Martin Brodeur days anymore where he's playing every every single game. And Chris Terreri just, you know, eats hot dogs on the bench all night. This is a different time, and it's not like a backup goalie is never getting any action or never getting any development. So I could live with the notion of Corpus Allo and, uh, and, uh, and Sogard if it means that Shane Pinto and everybody you just talked about can stay put. And, and on the Cuba League front, by the way, yeah, maybe he's not necessarily the best with a third line, but this third line, we've already seen he's awesome with Joseph. And if Pinto is there, that's not your standard third line. Like, that's a very good third line. And so I think Kubali could thrive there. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, that's that's a possibility in the Kubalik idea. I, 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 I see your point. Um, I like the Forsberg idea, Steve. I really do. And I'll take it one step further. Uh, I don't think you, to, you can completely eliminate the whole Mad Sogard being the backup. Just find some guy. 
Like there's there's plenty of guys out there. You you'll be able to find a more veteran guy so that you can give Sogard all those games in Belleville. You'll be able to find somebody else to come in here and, and be a backup to Corpusalo. And maybe even it's in the exact trade where you're whoever you're making this deal with, whether it's Philly or it's San Jose is now out there, I hear. Boston, you may circle back to Boston if if you're willing to change the deal. Uh, the Forsberg part's not going to work with Boston, but maybe it works with somebody else. So yeah, I I, I can see them make, uh, trading Forsberg. I wouldn't have a problem with that. The contract is very movable, and uh, I don't think there'd be any problem finding somebody to come in here and play goal. And finally, number yeah. two, number two is this the one that's going to ruffle feathers? I understand, I get that, but we're trying to solve the Shane Pinto crisis here and the salary cap crunch. Let me throw this name out. Thomas Shabbat. Thomas Shabbat, because he makes $8 million and I believe is going to be a diminishing asset over the next few years, just based on what I've seen the last two, that solves your Shane Pinto crisis. It also allows you to bring, maybe maybe bring in a defensive defenseman to round this thing out. I feel like moving forward, you've got to give a big raise next year. It's not a great idea, you know, even if we decide on the Forsberg thing, you're still right up against the cap. Sens fans have mocked the Leafs the last couple of years for being right up against the caps. So if something happens, you know, they put themselves in that. You you want a little wiggle room underneath the cap as well. And I honestly think that Eric Brandstrom can do a pretty good Thomas Shabbat impression. Ooh. You've got you've now got Chikrin. You've now got Sanderson. In my opinion, those are your clear number one and number two defensemen. What say you about that idea? Wow. Um, I, I, I will say this out of all the guys that are locked in long-term with these eight year, $8 million deals that Shabbat is the, to me, I agree with you. He's the first one. If I had to move somebody, he'd be the one I move. I just don't think it's now. I, I, I it's not the right time. Uh, regardless of whether he's one, two or three, he's, he's good enough to play in your first two pairs and should be here and you need him here. And I really think that he can he can be rejuvenated with the distribution of minutes changing. And I think he's going to have a really good year. As for your Branstrom take, no, sorry, completely disagree. All you had to do was watch the, the game against the Habs. Branstrom and Hamannick were absolutely god-awful. Now, part of that is because they were playing as the number one pair when they're not. Right. But Branstrom cannot do what Shabbat can do. Yeah, can he man a power play? Yeah, I guess he can. But I, I just, no, I don't see him as being a, a, a long-term guy that's going to be able to fill in if you're going to trade away Shabbat. I just don't think it's the right time to trade Shabbat. You finally, it's finally coming from a position of depth with defensemen here. Let's see how it plays out. Let's see these guys all play and see how it works. I'm not, I'm not ruling out completely someday, maybe at a draft one year when there's a first-round pick that you really want. You know, maybe, maybe you make a package deal and you trade a Shabbat on a draft day one year. But I, I don't, I, it's too early now. I'm not, I'm not doing it. No way. And and I think there'd be a revolt in town too. Oh, absolutely. I know that's not going to be a popular take with a lot of people, but you know, it came into my mind when I'm watching the Sens take on Toronto this week and watching Shabbat gently lift a light backhand into the shin pads of Nick Robertson, who took it for a breakaway, clean breakaway in the other direction, almost scored on the shorthanded situation. Uh, that's where it popped into my head. It's like, God, yeah. here we go again with the giveaways. And certainly it's not a, particularly physically stalwart defenseman. I don't think anybody regards him as an upper half defenseman as far as defense goes. He doesn't play the game enough with enough urgency. And I'm measuring this, by the way, under the micro 
microscope of an eight million dollar a year player. Right. You know, so th- that's what that's what goes into my thought process here. And I hope you're right. I hope that Thomas Shabbat for the last four years of this contract or whatever it is, uh, absolutely turns back into a stud. But I'd like to see a guy making eight million dollars a year just once in a while being mentioned as a top 10 defenseman in the league, or, Hey, maybe he's got a chance to win the Norris trophy. Nobody ever talks about Thomas Shabbat in those terms outside the city of Ottawa. So anyway, I've, I've ruffled enough feathers. Let's move along. Uh, Ryder cup. Are you going to watch any of that this weekend? Of course, Steven, um, as you know, I'm a big golf guy, bit of a rough start for the Americans. We'll see how it really, they should be. It should be a cakewalk for the Americans. We'll see how they, uh, after yesterday, how they react uh, come today and tomorrow. And I, I love watching Ryder Cup. I love watching team golf, period. Yeah. I, I just love watching the dynamic of it. Yeah, I thought that was a curious choice to leave Jordan Spieth and uh, Justin Thomas mm-hmm. on the sideline on Friday morning. And, uh, ooh, look, the Americans went 0-4. Mm-hmm. Maybe I uh, want to do over on that one. But, yeah, going to be some great golf. Always some great theater at the Ryder Cup. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us on today's show. We appreciate it. Greg, enjoy your time in T.O. and uh, have some fun, and we shall talk to you in our next episode. Thanks, Steve. Have a good weekend. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.